Hey everyone, it's time for another one of our holiday chat episodes and we got a special treat, uh, a return guest, uh, Jay from Central Florida is back. I, I think it's, has it been four years, Jay? Four years to literally this week. That's that's amazing. You want to, uh, how do you want to start? Do you want to remind people what we were talking about last time? Yes, it's basically the same thing, Dave. And, and, and to all your uh, listeners, please, I welcome you to make comments if you don't listen through all of this, I totally understand, but uh, this is going to be a kind of a fun call. I'm picking David's brain and everyone who's listening uh, from four years ago, 457 people have watched the video and probably uh, 50 of it was me, but leave a comment, leave, I, I want to hear ideas and this is where I'm at right now and we'll talk about that as well. But in essence, I, I want to get into buying a business, one of your thoughts Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a lot of knowledge. I've watched her grown in four years and uh, getting ideas. And I'm in no rush, no hurry. Got a lot of options. Um, it's pretty unbelievable, just like it was four years ago. But my net worth has uh, doubled since then. Wow. Okay. And so what what do you want to share about about your background with everyone, about your, your bio and what you do? Okay. Uh, pretty easy. I'm in my late 40s, no debt, kids, wife, girlfriend, or pets. Uh, I'm, if you find somebody that's frugal, I am 10 times less frugal than they are. It's unbelievable. Um, all the money I make, I invest and save it and I'd rather suffer now, enjoy life later. Uh, my monthly net uh, cash burn is extremely low. Uh, here's the fun part. I can do anything I want to do. I can move anywhere I want to move, but I'm a Floridian. So my folks are close and I'm a uh, never seen snow and it was 68 degrees this morning. That's pretty chilly. Uh, I want to stay here. Um, I'm able to be active now in a business where before I wanted to be passive when we talked last okay. time. Uh, I don't, I don't need to make money on day one. You know, I can wait to be paid. Uh, I don't need a business. You know, I, I I'm not desperate for cash flow. I have the financial uh, ability to start over and, and uh, I really prefer not to get into debt, but I'm willing to. Mm. Okay. And so what you're basically coming to me with is more of an existential problem. That sounds good. You're, you're, you're saying I, I've made it according to a lot of people's measures of what you're trying to achieve in life. And now right. I'm looking for something to do. Correct. And even getting back into what I've done before in my past, uh, two main, uh, uh, I guess you could say professions. And um, yeah, um, uh, this is going to be a fun call. So it's not if anything specific. That's why I suggest to the listeners, hey, man, give me some ideas, um, whatever you think, you know, good or bad. I'm going to read them, you know, tell me to go jump off a roof because I'm jealous of you or say, hey, you would like this business. And also, what we talked about last time, I'm as a, the Myers Briggs, I'm an ISTJ, and you okay. said you were an INTJ. So yeah. I'm, I've looked into this online as well, as far as good good fits. So you and I are roughly the same. So this will be fun. Well, you know, one of the first things that that comes to mind, given what you've said, and and, and you shared a little bit of other information with me as well, um, is that you don't really need to be in business. You, you don't need to work. You you would like to. You would Correct. like to keep having income. You know, a lot of people, if they were in this position, might be asking, you know, what they might like to do that may not be money-oriented, like some kind of volunteer or charitable type, charitable type of thing that might represent a, a passion or an interest for them. Have... have is, is business and earning money your passion and interest? Yes. Uh, you know, it's I, I, I think it's just generating something from nothing. And that um, volunteer has already come up. And I think, and, and one aspect we're going to talk about, I'm going to make that uh, possibly work in my favor to start a new business in exactly a year when a non-compete uh, runs out or possibly runs out. I haven't exer exercised it yet. But yes, the, the volunteer um, came up uh, upon and but um, I'm just getting rolling. And it's been uh, this is the beginning of the third week of not working full time anymore. So this is perfect timing for you. OK. And in the past three weeks, have you just stuck to your normal daily routine? 
Absolutely. In fact, I'm way happier. You know, um, it's been um, we had two hurricanes come through here. So the sun is out. I've been getting sun, been able to exercise more, ride my bike. I'm just so much uh, more happy. Uh, whereas before I was literally uh, worked 50 plus hours a week. So my um, overall um, ambiance internally is fantastic and I'm, I'm loving it, but I'm going to get antsy eventually. So it's almost like you've been on a vacation in your in your home at, yes. at your hometown. Friday was my last day on the fourth, technically, but Monday the seventh at three forty-five a.m. when I woke up, and I'm going. I'm going to have to find something else. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do something fun, exciting, take a risk. Um, you got it. Okay. So last time when we spoke, I. We, we were talking about you buying a business and I was talking about the methodology of, of kind of creating criteria for what you want to look for in a business. And then I, I think I probably would have described the yellow page exercise of kind of looking at the different headings yep. and saying, you know, does this business type fit my criteria? Did you take time to do any of that? I did not. Four years ago, I, I just wanted to explore, but I was working full time and, uh, we did the video. I watched it once and I hadn't seen it again till the past uh, two weeks. And then I probably watched it 19 times since then. I took notes on it. Mm -hmm. uh, probably like you, I have to see things. So now I put it all in a Word document. I transcribed our entire hour conversation. And now uh, I wanted to touch base again. And I'm going to print this out. And I'm going to put all the notes on my wall. And I'm going to keep another copy in my car. And I'm going to act on it now because I can. I have the time. Okay. So the first, so there's no debate about the idea that you want to be in business. Correct. Okay. So then the next question is, you know, that you want to buy a business because given your position, you know, a lot of the reasons I tell people not to start businesses don't really qualify for you. Okay. Right. Because I, I tell people that you start, a, you buy a business to avoid startup risk. Um, a lot of people who, you know, buy a business, they've got other obligations, family, mortgages, all that kind of stuff. And so the risk of starting something can be quite bad because not not only could the business fail, but they could end up losing other things in their life, right? Correct. You're not in that position at all. You, you, like you said, you can wait to be paid. And so you could start something if you wanted. It wouldn't necessarily violate every, you know, gene that I have for someone in your position to to start. In fact, I've often said that very young people who don't have any kind of obligations are in a good position to start a business too, because they don't have much to lose. I guess you have something to lose, but you, you know, you can control what that is. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so if you are daydreaming about a business, are there any things that you daydream about <clears throat> that you don't necessarily know are available to buy? I know it's it's the same question that people ask. What would you do if you were a billionaire? And then whatever that is, go do that. I don't have anything in uh, in particular. There's nothing. Um, you know, there's my past work history, which is uh, easy to get back into for the two careers. But um, my the main thing, and then I took notes on, is I'll repeat it. It's pretty good. Um, I'd like. I'm looking possibly to work backwards with you. My bottom line is profit okay most profitable businesses and then find that business i am completely motivated by profit here's an example that i used last time i could own a porta john cleaning company i could own a lawn business i could own a company that distributes healthcare products to ceos it's it's irrelevant I'm, i care about profit and now with things things that are online not to be as physical uh, mm. anymore but i could have employees do this if necessary um but basically i, I want to be i can be active whereas before i couldn't okay so when you say profitable are you talk are you talking about you know the the, the profit margin that the business would be able to obtain or that, are you talking that, about a, a certain uh, nominal dollar figure? That too. And of course, I'm thinking about my personal income, that it would have to be, you know, at some point, at least six figures in today's economy in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, minimum. And um, 
Yeah, obviously profit and workload and risk of getting into and um, yeah. I don't know okay. if you expand on that. So, you know, the most profitable businesses usually have some kind of element that stifles competition. Because if, if somebody sees somebody come up with a new idea and they can see that they're making lots of money, then other people jump in. Right. Okay. And so then eventually you get competitive forces that pulls down the pricing to a, you know, a level where people are making money, but they're not making a killing. Right. Okay. So you, you think about any kind of business where there's a lot of competitors in the space, you know, in lawn maintenance, there's a lot of people doing lawn maintenance. It's sure. very easy to get into lawn maintenance. You don't need a whole lot of equipment, but you're not going to get rich in lawn maintenance. Right. Right. I'm looking, I'm looking to become, um, on that end, uh, having uh, a nice income. But here's the thing. Most people want a nice income to buy things. Here's another thing on my bio. If you were to see how much I've earned in the past 20 years and see how much I saved of that and invested, mm -hmm. you you wouldn't believe it. It's it, I save at least 70 to 80% of uh, my income. I don't own anything. I don't want anything. I, in essence, exercise and I read and I learn and I don't spend money. What do I do with my free time? I just, I don't spend money. I invest and save exercise and read. That is it. Yeah. And well, but let's look at the opposite end of that spectrum from the lawn maintenance, right? Okay. So when we talk about uh, some kind of element that stifles competition, um, people will sometimes refer to this as an economic moat. Gotcha. So some some big key element that's hard for others to replicate. Gotcha. Right? So for some industries that might be a big capital investment, um, you know, think about a, a a factory, right? So it costs a lot of money to build a factory, um, and once it's built, that that operator obviously has an advantage over somebody choosing to get in and making a similar investment, right? right. So we're talking about businesses with large capital expenditure, and and this would um, could also in a, in a few ways, uh, describe, um, it, it almost starts to brush up against high asset based business sort of investments, like, uh, like an apartment building costs a lot of money to build an apartment building. Right. And, right. and your, your rate of return is, is, you know, going to be, um, a function of what it costs to borrow money and a function of what the, the rental market is, right? right? The the other type of place where you have this uh, inhibitor against competition would be some kind of regulation. So the, the government does something that makes it harder for people to compete with you. So, um, and I know in your background, you have some medically oriented stuff. Yeah. And so having licensing requirements and things like that is an example of a regulatory environment that prevents competition because other, other people can't just set up shop. They have to deal with those regulations. Um, the other examples might be a business that has to have some kind of special license um, or a business that is regulated uh, by some kind of competition agency. So then you start to think about bigger businesses like the natural gas company, for example, right? Where, Nobody's going to go build a competing natural gas network. It would just be too much of, a, of an upfront cost. Um, it's, it's too long a time to get your investment back. And as a result, the first person that does it and builds it, they get this advantage that's never going to be overcome by anyone else. Okay. And so most of those heavily government regulated things, a lot of them are dominated by big business, Right. Because because people see that advantage and they say, I'm going to invest in that. And over the course of the decades, they've all been swallowed up into these big conglomerate companies. You know, used to be phone companies, but now, you know, with these different carrier agreement opportunities and stuff, people are starting new phone companies. But uh, things like the power company, the gas company, the water company, stuff like that. In some jurisdictions, though, you can have regulated industries that create that kind of opportunity um, where I live, for example, there's a limited number of operators for bottle return depots. 
for like people to bring back their cans, right? Sure. And so it it stifles competition. Is it a very profitable business? Well, they 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 the government also does things uh, to prevent them from earning too much money. So it can be a good thing or a bad thing. What without a um, when it comes to generally profitable things, service businesses always tend to have the biggest profit margins because they don't usually entail a lot of capital expenditure. What if you were going to get into something like, you know, an industrial kind of business, does that excite you at all? It, it would if it was a good fit for me and it depends. Uh, can it be done online? Do, do I have to have a physical uh, plant or office or can I do what you are doing? And in the industrial space, which was work from home, which was not a big thing four years ago, but now mm -hmm. it's extremely popular and extremely appealing. Um, it depends what costs are needed to get into that space. And if I had to physically do it, can I, can I do it? Is it profitable? Can I have a, a, a few people employed and, um, and make it work? Because I don't want to, something I, I have to take a risk on, like everybody knows and you know, to take a risk, but I don't want to fail at it. I, you know, I want a, a decent a percentage of a chance of success, which you can't do. Yeah. Well, if you're going to ignore the value of your time, and, and I know I tell people all the time not to do that, but let's for a moment enter a world of suspension of disbelief. So if you're going to ignore the value of your own time, if you were to say, I want to create some kind of online business like, like mine, right? So it would probably be geared around what? Diet, fitness, different health concerns? That yeah, it, it, it could be because the, um, I've been in that space along with healthcare for over 30 years. And I read blog posts of successful people that are selling products. And mm -hmm. um, I'm going, I, I know all that information already. You're not telling me anything new. And with my background and my knowledge base, I could technically do the same thing. So um, when, when I got started, um, I knew that it would take time to build any kind of following online. And I didn't quite know exactly how long it was going to take. It's taken a lot longer than I thought. My first videos that I was publishing were in 2014. Mm -hmm. And I'm only now approaching 28,000 subscribers on YouTube. Wow. And so for many years, you know, I was under 5,000 followers. But because my content was so highly focused, I would meet people that were eagerly searching for specific things with respect to what I was talking about. Right. And so this is where that, that comment, the riches are in the niches comes from. Right. Because, you know, if you look on YouTube for health and fitness and wellness stuff, there's a ton of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So uncovering a tiny little category that is actually being underserved within all those things would be the first thing. And then the second thing is, how do I monetize appearing online? So what do I do so that I can earn money from this? What is it going to be? What's you know the benefit going to be? So initially, it could be some kind of personal service, right? Or it could be that you create some kind of program where you can serve multiple people at a time or something that someone can do on their own. So I'll give you I'll give you examples within my own business that are like this. So I do one-on-one -on -one consultations for people like this call, but they're you know private. And people who want my help with a specific thing will will book one of those calls and they'll pay for it. And so that's one-on-one -on -one consulting work. And it doesn't allow me to leverage my time, uh, but it does allow me to earn money. And it does allow me to run into circumstances which often become the topics of my YouTube videos. Right. right. So the so that's one lane. And that's that's one of the ways from the beginning that I was able to monetize my online presence. <clears throat> the second thing would be um, something that people can do on their own. So when I was starting off, uh, people who wanted to buy a business, for example, were all asking me the same questions. So I, I created a PowerPoint 
deck and I created um, an online program. And my first one was actually had to do with the topics in my first book, Invest Local. The book, Invest Local, was also one of the early attempts to monetize. But when you sell a book for $14, and even though Amazon takes care of printing and distributing it and all that kind of stuff, you know, when someone buys that book in paper form, I earn like $7, right? So, so yeah, it's great, but it's not, you know, going to pay the bills or anything. Right. Right. And so then I made an online course about that. And I think I was asking people, you know, it was under a hundred dollars when I first started, I think it's only 179 right now. And it's not a big seller. Um, But what it did was it allowed for a higher price point. And when I started to sell a couple of those, I was like, okay, I have a tiny, tiny audience, but they're interested in what I'm talking about. And they are you know, willing to pay for additional information that isn't out there easily available. And I knew for the private lending stuff that it wasn't easily available because I had spent years trying to find that exact kind of stuff and I wasn't able to find it. And so I knew that that was a pretty explicit niche. After uh, probably eight or nine months of talking about the private investing stuff, um, I started to run out of topics and I started to veer into talking about my business brokerage past. And then people just kept pounding me with questions about buying businesses. And that's when I expanded the content into the buy and sell business stuff. And it was really when I, I turned business buyer advantage, which was a one day program I taught live locally here for a few years, when I turned that into an online course, that's when I really realized that this was an opportunity. So I was doing the one-on-one consultations. I was selling copies of uh, Business Buyer Advantage. And it was after I had enough Business Buyer Advantage graduates out there that I started to think, what could I do to help those people further? Because many of them would do the course and then come back looking for extra consulting because they learned in the course how to identify most of the bad deals they would run into, but then they would find something that looked like a good deal and they would still want my help to go look at that to make sure they weren't making some kind of mistake, right? right. Looking at making a half million dollar investment, you want to make sure you're you're not seeing, you're not missing an important thing. So that's when I created the group coaching program. And so I made it in such a way that people could join at any time. And that would be another example of something you could do. So you could have you could be online talking about a very specific kind of wellness stuff. You could be um, creating some kind of self-start on your own sort of program. Um, let's use let's use weight loss as a, as an example. Okay, so you create Jay's uh, Quick Start Weight Loss Program, and you have it broken down into you know milestones. Like you're going to do this first, then you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. And as you work towards your goals, this is you progress from stage one to stage two to stage three. And that whole thing is like in in PDF documents, and you've got videos that introduce each mile post segment. um, And people can work through that on their own. They can pay a flat fee, and you can use an online platform to to sell that to people. So that would be one thing. The the one-on-one coaching could be for people that want a more personalized experience. And it may be more expensive, maybe less expensive. As your time becomes less available, this is what I've done over the years, is as I become busier with one-on-one consulting, I just keep increasing the price Mm. to to make it more and more exclusive so that that I'm all... it's, It's because there's only one of me. And that's one of the big downfalls of my business is there's only one of me. It's not infinitely replicatable which is one of the reasons I created the online courses because, because then I, people can keep buying it over and over. It's not any extra work for me. Right. The group coaching program is another leveraging strategy. How can I serve more people without necessarily inputting more of my time? And so we have a group meetings three times a month and whoever wants to join can join live. We talk about their deals I, I give them some coaching. The members talk to each other uh, as well and help each other out. There's a lot of experienced people in the group. And then the people who didn't join live, they can listen to the recording after. Uh, and people who can't come live but have an issue or problem, they can submit it to me beforehand. 
So I, I'll talk about it in the meeting, even though they're not present, and then they can listen to the recording later. And right. so it's it's a really affordable way for those members to gain more access to to me because they're sharing the the burden with the other members, right? right. And and uh, so all three of those things together now you know fit together to make a business that uh, gives me like a good full time income. Um, but it took years to grow the audience, but here's the whole point of the thing. It didn't require a big audience. So, um, you know, I started off when I had a job by the time I was, you know, given the opportunity to take a bio package from that job, my side hustle work, let's call it at that time, uh, was still giving me, you know, a low to mid five figure income. And so I, I could see, hey, if I didn't have to do a full-time job anymore, if I could throw myself full effort into this, I can quickly grow it to an income that I can live off of. And that's what I did. Uh, probably took another year of full force effort to get myself back up to what I was earning in my job. And so if you've got time, there's no reason why you can't be successful. The issue that you would face in that space that we're talking about is that there's a lot of voices already in that in that field. Right. And so you you need to pick a niche either within the service or concern you address or who you're talking to. So you could say, I'm Jay, I'm the weight loss guy for Gen X men who want to do this. I'm right. I'm the weight loss and fitness guy for 40 something guys that you know, uh, want to attract younger women or, or something like that. Right. So that you're, you're targeting yourself very specifically to who you're trying to reach and purposefully ignoring everyone else. I did a, a live stream, um, earlier this year with some people who have a franchise network for lakefront property. And that's all they deal with in their system is they only help people buy and sell lakefront properties. Mm -hmm. They ignore everything else. And every other real estate agency out there in the world is able to sell lakefront properties right. and, and we'll take those listings. But these guys focus on this niche. And as a result, they've been able to very quickly build themselves a business through their franchise network of successful people because anyone who goes looking specifically for lakefront property is going to bump into these folks online, right? Yeah. And, they, and they get to represent themselves as specialists. Right. And so that that would be the the business plan I would lay out for you if you decided to do that and expect that you're going to create content and expect that you're going to be doing stuff for a while and it may feel very fruitless. Right. Because, because you have to wait for that audience to build. And I mean, the first time I did this, I was kind of acting blindly. I was trying to learn from other people. There were other people online with programs like I can help you grow your YouTube channel. And I did some of that stuff and some of it worked really well. Um, the strategies change over time. So let's take, for example, I'm the weight loss and fitness guy for 40 something guys who right. want to do X, right? I would then say, who are those guys tuning into? Who are they listening to? That's not in the weight loss or fitness space. Right. And then I would say, I need to make inroads into those communities. So maybe you find, you know, uh, a men's interest podcast where they talk about guns and hunting and camping and all that kind of stuff. And then you're like, I'm going to try to be a guest on that show. And you'd, you'd make a, a list of all these different places um, or, you know, the, the pickup truck channel or something like that. Right. right. And you know, the pickup truck channel may have never have an interest in having you on as a guest because they want to talk about pickup trucks. But that might be a place where you might want to do some sponsored advertisement or content for on their channel to reach their audience because you know a lot of your potential customers are in that audience. Okay. Right? And so social media is about leveraging other people's networks. And this is why, you know, people in social media want to do things with other people that have more followers because then you get exposed to their audience 
And some of those people might come over and follow you. Um, and so, so that would be the strategy would be clear definition of who you want to talk to and who you deal with and purposefully ignoring everyone else, right? Create some products that you can then offer to people so that you have some path to monetization and then, and then figure out where your audience is hanging out, where your prospects are hanging out and then work towards getting onto those programs or shows or be a part of these communities. Um, you don't necessarily have to get on someone's podcast or, um, you know, pay to advertise on someone's YouTube channel. It might be that there's already discussion forums for these very people on Reddit, for example. And it's just a matter of you going over there and being a contributor and right. participating in conversations so that people start to recognize your name. Right. And, and then, um, you know, if someone asks a question specifically addressed by your product or specifically addressed by a video that you've created, then you can say, oh, you know, here's a YouTube video that specifically talks about that issue. Okay. So uh, there's a another uh, big social media platform, which is described as the social media for INTJs, which is called Quora. And uh, I, I answer a lot of questions on Quora. And yes, with a Q. Yeah, Quora with yep. a Q. Yeah. Yep, I'm familiar with it. And so um, people will post a question about buying or selling a business and I'll answer the question. And most often, more often than not, I've made a video about it and I'll say, here's a you know a video about that. And you know, if people watch the video and it resonates with them and they like the way I explain something, then they'll they'll likely hit subscribe to the channel, right? And that's and that's what you do. You're you're participating in these different online places where people are having these conversations. Twitter is another one. Um, you go on, you start to follow people that are talking about the things you're talking about. Um, you comment on things that people are talking about. Um, if there's a big Twitter fitness person and you follow them and then they say something that you agree or disagree with, then you might comment on that. And if you have a video already about that topic, you put the link to your video. Other people who follow that, that big Twitter person, if they go through the comments, they can see your video. If they like it, they may follow you on Twitter or they may subscribe to your YouTube channel. And so it, it's a full-time effort to go out and make yourself known and to, to attract these people. And then what will happen eventually is you will have this audience out there and they will start doing things to spread the word about what you're doing. Um, there is a, a video I made in 2022 that was very popular. It's called Zero Down... Cody Sanchez laundromat deals. And I was not part of Cody Sanchez's audience. Uh, she talks about buying businesses and she says a lot of things I don't agree with. So someone in my audience actually tagged me or sent me a video or an email about the video. And, and so like they saw something they knew that I would have something to say about, and they came out of the woodwork to let me know I should be talking about a certain thing. So I made that video on my own channel. And now what happens is like, I'll get tagged because other people will respond to Cody Sanchez tweets with links to my video. So other people are now doing what I used to spend time doing. Right. And it's, it's just because, uh, you know, maybe I've helped them or um, taught them something really valuable or helped them avoid a mistake that might've cost them money and they're appreciative and they want to do the same for other people. And so, that's what it's all about. It's just about building, um, building networks of people who can benefit from what you're talking about and who also then in turn want to share that help with others who are looking for it too. I, I see this a lot in, um, you know, like, like, uh, single guys dating conversations online right. where, things will be said and then people will share other people's stuff. Like you should read this guy's book or you should watch this guy on YouTube or you should do right. this or here, you know, and they're, they're, they're just regular folks online 
who see someone is having a certain problem and say, oh, well, check out this guy. He might be able to help you. And that's that's just like your neighbor telling you to hire this plumbing company over that one, right? right? And it happens online too. So you just have to plant enough seeds and then wait for the the fruition, wait for those things to start to grow. Okay. But you're talking about a business that would cost you nothing to start um, practically, right? And you know you wouldn't even really have to organize it as a business until it started to take off and you started to make sales and stuff. Um, because as you're finding your footing initially, you may pivot a few times, make a few changes. Like I did, I started off talking about, um, invest local and private lending deals. And, but I then got into what is now my mainstay for years, which is the buying and selling business conversation. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what is that? Is that what you think you want to do? So the, uh, the online, presence that that's something that a couple of people have told me uh i am off the grid completely in fact there is services and i hired one a, a couple years ago you i paid him a hundred dollars and they wipe your name off the internet completely okay i like i don't see any reason not to be anonymous but i this is what you're what the call is about just kind of getting the juices flowing it never occurred to me Saying to myself, Jason, what do you think about being on YouTube, getting a Twitter thing, getting an Instagram, things I would have never done? I'm not on Facebook. I've never, I don't, I don't have no idea what it's about. I'm just against all that type. I'm a private person. Hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, when if you do something like that, you have to show your face. You you, you can't be anonymous. So that hey, that's that's putting me out of my comfort zone. That is fantastic. What a great idea, Jason. Can you d- begin an online uh, business with a presence? That's totally something I would have never even thought about, and something I'd have to think about right now. Emotionally, I'd say, nah. I'd rather you know spend 600 grand for a business that's successful and then i can i'd rather do that physically than stay home be comfortable and make videos and hope it works out for the best you know i'm I'm almost looking david for something that's already up and running where i could start making money right away uh, even though i have the time to do what you did but i'm uh, i'm so antsy that i I almost don't have the patience to wait years and I don't want to, even though I can. Okay. Well, so what is your time horizon? You want to get into something right away or do you want to take a bit of a breather here? Uh, I'm As we speak, I'm taking a breather, um, but I have other opportunities I'm looking at that I'm going to have to say yes or no to, mm-hmm. but then um yeah, this it's a weird spot in uh, someone's life to be in this position where you're a good word pivot. I'm pivoting right now at an age I never thought I would and I can afford to. And you um, want to stay you want to stay where you live, you don't want to move? Correct. I'm in Florida. If it meant moving to have a successful business, I could do that. Before I couldn't, I was tethered to a high-paying job but I'm not tethered to that anymore, even though I have another one waiting for me, ready to go in the wings. But I wanted to explore this before taking that jump back okay. to being a W-2 wage slave. So if your number one criteria is the earnings, then here's here's your plan for buying a business. Go on to the online business for sale marketplaces. Look for a geographical search near where you live. Look for businesses that are for sale. Look for the proportion of what they claim is the cash flow versus sales, right? Um, and then go look into those businesses. So you contact the broker, you go, you know, get the package, do the site visit, all that kind of stuff. The what your number one job will be in doing that is just understanding what the day to day of the owner is like and whether or not you think you would enjoy or be able to do that, right? Okay. So you might go and see a business and the numbers look good, but you're like, I don't really think I could get into this. I don't like this. Right. When you find one that you can get into, um, then you could then proceed to start making an offer, negotiating, et cetera. But knowing that that business is one that you might like, 
opens the door to conducting a little mini search within that particular industry category. Okay. So if this business is up for sale, there may be other ones in this industry that are not up for sale, but could be just as good. Right. And, so, and, I, and I could go ask, even on our last conversation, I wrote down and I, exp I expanded on my own thoughts. So what's, uh, if I find a business that fits my criteria and then I like, um, so let's explore other businesses that are similar to that yeah. and ask the owner, Hey, uh, are you looking to sell? What's the worst? What is the worst thing they can say? Yes or no. And then if they say yes, I hire you to explore the numbers with me. This is the game plan. Yeah. I mean, the, well, the worst is that they say yes and they drag you out for a year or two and waste your time. <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, most will say no. Um, the people in my adventure group who go looking at business, who send, uh, who communicate with owners and just ask, hey, do you want to sell your business? A lot of people will say no, but but here's what what else happens is is a lot of people say no, but then they, but they want to talk to you because they're interested because they're curious about your letter or your phone call or your LinkedIn message or whatever, however you reached out to them, and um, and then you you actually plant a a seed of relationship with that person, right? And a lot of younger people these days. And I'm 49, so I'm considering myself still young. Is that I'm face to face, nose to nose, toes to toes. I wa I walk in, I cold call. How many people respond to a weird email? You know, I'm I'm in there at the front door. May I see the owner? Hey, you looking to sell? I I, I won't give up until I get an answer. And then you can email. I say, hey, I'm going to email you every uh, six months. So you looking to sell? And now you can have that seed planted without getting emails ignored or LinkedIn is a good spot from what I'm understanding as well. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what will happen is people will say, I'm not interested, but I was, I was curious. I wanted to talk with you or meet with you. And then something, you know, the top five reasons businesses go up for sale four of them are unplanned for personal situations or crises. Right. The fifth one's retirement. Right. So, what will happen is you'll have this communication. You'll meet this person. They don't want to sell their business. They want to keep their business. Everything's great. A year later, something happens. One of those four personal crises happen. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to sell the business. Wait, I already know someone who wants to buy my business. And all of a sudden you get first crack before they go to a broker. Because it's com competition between buyers that that is really dangerous for buyers. Right? That it's... and. and which is what brokers promise to sellers. They say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to get all these different buyers to to compete for your business." And so, if you if you can figure out a way to talk with an owner before they are in a process of getting competing buyers, then there can be an advantage for you. Exactly, like you said on your last video, which is coincidental on uh, finding sellers, and you just did it yesterday or the day before. Yeah, oh, wow, this is perfect. How can I find people that are uh, thinking about selling a business, but that that not they're not putting it on LoopNet? Uh, what are other websites that you know? Just off the top of your head, start throwing them out there. Loop well, there's Biz by Sell. There you go. And there's uh, businessesforsale.com. Keep on going. Um, you know, there those are the big ones. Like you're in Florida. Florida has a little bit of a different business buy sell culture than the rest of the country or the world. Okay. So it's more common in Florida for buyers and sellers to be represented by different agents. Hmm. And so um, there could very well be some Florida real estate oriented websites that actually have a business for sale section. Uh, there's some different regional players. But biz by sell, in my experience, is one of the biggest ones for America, for the states. Gotcha. And, and I've, there's a few others I'm not thinking about right now. But what I'm thinking is, and we're on, we're on the same page here, this is fantastic, is how can I beat them? And that's my motive internally anyway, is what is the average person doing? Then I want to do the opposite of that. And I'm telling you, that has worked out fantastic. So what's a guy want, like me want to do sitting across town? He wants to buy a business. He contacts a broker. No, no, no. What's the opposite of that? To beat him, 
to beat the broker. So find the business and find the person that's selling before they even say, hey, I want to sell my business. And it take, I would get no's. I'd probably get 99 no's before getting a, okay, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, that That's kind of where I'm heading is how to beat these people outside of just walking up to every business saying, would you like to sell it? Because David, again, the business is irrelevant to me. It could be a dry cleaner. I used to start naming a laundromat. There's been guys in my position that have bought and created laundromats and you just hire somebody at a percentage to, to run it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so scatterbrained on this topic. That's why I need to be focused. And that's the purpose of the call well, is to get focused. Well, I'm very critical of people who say they are what they call industry agnostic, saying they don't know what type of business they want. This this is why you need to look at the broker listings, okay. see what look for what appears to be good money-making types of business, and then explore them. Because if you create a short list of three or four business types that you think would satisfy you, then you can focus on those three or four types and go searching for them even in the phone book. And even yeah. you said uh, uh, starting a new business is uh, risky. And I, I, my goal, I guess, and you can correct me, is to try to beat them because you talked about cash flow. Mm -hmm. If if they provide a business and it's public, I'm going to be outbid by someone who needs that cash flow and has to have it to pay their bills where I don't. So how do I sneak in behind it before it goes online or how to find the proper business? Again, that's the fun part. I could do anything. I, uh, it's just, it does not matter. It doesn't make sense maybe to you, but I could literally could do anything as long. Hey, I could own a lawn mowing service that has 50 guys. As long as I'm not mowing lawns, I'm managing it, running the numbers, having people work for me. Uh, Cause I can do that now. Uh, but I, you know, some good things are just started with me alone, and then I start slowly hiring people. That that's, um, yeah, this is a weird call again. I can, I'm, I'm open to anything. Well, okay, so you can also combine these. So I wrote a book in 2019 called "Smarter Than a Startup," okay. and in that, in "Smarter Than a Startup," I describe the scenario of someone wanting to start a new business, and I say, "What's smarter than that?" It you know, not to give away the whole book. If you're curious about this, you should totally read the book. Um, what, what, uh, I think it's like $4 on Kindle. The, um, the, the smarter idea is to find a business that's already operating and making money in a similarly relatable space or, or a business that would already have the required resources in place. So if you bought, for example, a fitness gym, like a, like a workout gym, if you bought that business and it was already a moneymaker, then bang, you have a business that you own day one. Well, you could then decide to build a media business on top of the gym. So, you know, you said, I don't want to be public, right? So you could have employees of the gym participating in the videos of here's how to do that exercise, this is how to do this, you know, and, and you could create a truly corporate-faced kind of youtube channel where you're still selling an online product you still have some kind of program but you're not the person doing it okay and you've got other people that are sort of the on-screen actors it's like when um you know you see a, a a commercial on tv for whatever product the person standing there promoting the product doesn't necessarily own the company right, right. you can you can do that so you would still, it wouldn't meet your criteria of being entirely an online business, but it would be an example of a brick and mortar business creating an online business that could one day become more of a business than the brick and mortar business. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Which, uh, and I'm, I've looked at, uh, I guess the topic would be for us is how do I come up with ideas? And I remember last time you said, um, you know, I'm interested in a business that fill in the blank sells to other businesses. And that has a lot of customers that spend a small amount or a few customers that spend a lot. And, and are there any resources, you know, to get ideas. Uh, I I like your one is getting out with the phone book and just going through that and saying, hey, did, does this business look interesting? And literally finding them, going A to Z. It'd take me a year to do that, which is fine. 
Um, but yeah, ideas. Um, I know I'm not pressing on any one particular button, so I know we're all we're kind of all over the place. And uh, yeah, go ahead. So, um, so so you're saying how do I define the criteria I'm interested in? Yeah, I wonder it, what's changed in four years since we spoke last that you've learned on first of all um, a criteria, a formula, idea generation. That's the easy part. It, it's um, it's it's afterwards where I would hire you and then go looking for those businesses. So there's a couple of parts, finding a business and then attacking those businesses with the whole premise that they're profitable, already making money. And uh, on the other side of the coin is what you've already discussed is being online. How, and that, that, that blows my mind because I never thought I would even think about doing that. Well, I think this is what I'm, why I said to take a look at the business broker for sale listings in your area right now, because if your only true metric is profitability, you can look through those listings and see the the cash flow they 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 state with the revenue, and you can see just do the percentage. So if some businesses have a twenty six percent, you know, SDE to to revenue, and others only have an eight percent, you can just focus on the higher profit ones. And, and then, and you then can I look. Could, and then I could get you involved immediately and have multiple consults with you on say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? In your experience, David, when people are buying a business, how often do you see that there are undiagnosed problems? Meaning, uh, as I said four years ago, assume they're selling that business and they're lying about everything in it because there's a very serious problem that they're not telling you about. They're trying to scam where I mentioned trust, but verify. And you agreed that skepticism is good. You, those were your yeah. exact words. Yeah. So so it, what you actually, you want a business that has problems, but yet makes money. Because if there are problems, it means that the business has room for improvement. Right, right. right. And I, I have the energy and time to improve it. Yeah, the... the um, and then the real big problems, like, you know, their top five customers, you know, uh, have told them they're going to quit or something like that. I mean, that's where you rely upon the deal structure, having a seller note subject to offset in case of material misrepresentation. Right. There's other things, though, that that really are just you have no real way of, of ever controlling, like. You know, if you buy a business and a year into it, a new competitor opens up and has an impact on your business. Like there's there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, I liked your idea of niches. That you, you know, a couple of niches you mentioned uh, last year um, was one that doesn't can't really go with me yet is the guy with the paper ma machine uh, making guy. And he stayed for three years. But the mm. other one, one you mentioned is a, the kingpin on a tractor trailer. Yeah. What a niche. So there we go. We're going down another fun road here. I'm wondering what niches I could get into similar to that kingpin that could take time. It takes regulation. It takes money out of pocket before you even earn anything. And then you can sell that thing. Now you have a patent, possibly a monopoly. Yeah. So again, that kind of stuff is often recognized by people working in an industry. Right. Like like that Kingpin example. And, and for people who haven't listened to the other podcast, it's a, it's a neighbor of mine. And he's a technician, technical guy, machinist. Um, and he worked with another guy and and they they just realized how much money trucking companies would spend replacing the kingpin on a trailer, which is the pin that hooks into the the tractor the truck, and how expensive it was. And they just asked themselves, is there a cheaper way to somehow address that thing without replacing it that can give it longer life? and 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 they came up with a methodology. And it had never been done before. And so they needed to get different government department of transportation to to permit them. To, to actually agree that their their fix was actually a fix that would extend the life of these kingpins. So the only reason they ever knew that was an opportunity was because they were working in that environment. And so that's that's where innovations come from. Good. It, it comes from being within a space and just realizing, hey, there's got to be a better way, something better, a way we can do this better. And you create that innovation. 
And that let, let's go back and here's some more uh, is my past, uh, my current work history, which I already have multiple opportunities. But my past is uh, I'm a, a chiropractor by trade. Uh, 14 years ago, I practiced. And um, outside of doing that again, which is it's nowadays is a terrible business, terrible. Uh, because, because of the competition? There's just oh, a lot gosh, of David, health insurance competition there's three schools in florida now um most people are cash only which you cannot make a living on cash only even though i people say they are and i don't want to do that i don't want to go back into that but i've seen chiropractors getting into other things alternative longevity clinics regenerative mm -hmm. medicine hiring a medical doctor to write scripts remotely and uh men's health like we talked about before testosterone replacement therapy things of that nature where I can't do that with my license, but I can hire people that can do the blood work, hire a nurse practitioner. There's programs to do this. That really interests me, but that's a high, you know, it's a lot of money coming out the door. And, um, you know, you well, but that's also, even though you're not doing everything, it's also going to tie up your time, isn't it? Right. I would physically have to be there. You're yeah. right. And, and yeah, I don't want, I really not a good point, David. I didn't even think of that. I'm not really interested in sitting in an office one person at a time, you know, that's. Um, so on your list of criteria, one of the things you want to have is I won't need to be there all the time. There we go. Keep them coming. What else? Right. Um, so do you want like, geographic freedom? Do you want to be able to go travel? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. I'll be honest with you. Uh, no, um, I'm since I'm sing. I'd like I like where I'm at in Florida. I really don't need to, but I'd like to have that freedom to be able to do that. And if I okay. was traveling for the business, that's fine. My stepfather has a business that has one employee and that employee goes all over the country and he sits in his chair and literally has a six figure, just about a seven figure a year business that's literally 80 percent profit it's just stunning that so so here's what's here's what's important then is 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 thinking about your life and your lifestyle because a lot of the characteristics of the business you want to look for are going to be tied to that will this right. business deliver the life and lifestyle i want so having um the ability to go on a vacation for a week or having the ability to go to a convention for a week that's very different from a business that entirely is operating online where you could go to someplace for four months and just work from there. Gotcha. Right. And so, so understanding what, what it is you want, like you could have a business that you don't have to be there all the time for it to function and you can still leave for a week whenever you want. Right. You do need to be there, you know, right. a, few, a few times a month. That's that's a different business from the entirely online business. Right. That, now, that seems more appealing than the online because I just don't understand the online world. I don't mm. I don't understand how people make money um, unless they have a product. I'm still in the mindset that I have to be there, uh, but I can hire good people because I'm a very I've done it before. I'm a very good employer. All the people I've employed in the past would come back to work for me in a heartbeat, not because I'm just a nice guy, but I pay fairly and I treat people fairly. And like, and your reputation and character is everything, which seems to be lacking these days. And you've mentioned that a couple of times in your YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really. Create. You know, ask yourself a question. What does my life look like in 10 years? Got it. Really define it specifically. What what your income is, how, how much vacation you take, what your day-to-day -day looks like. And so then when you go to look at the broker list, so then you're going to be able to figure out what kind of profitability you need to have. Not to say that you need to buy a business today that will provide you with the income you want in 10 years time, but there has to be reasonable that you can grow to it, right? So if right. you say in, in in 10 years time, I want to have an income of half a million dollars a year. Well, if you bought a business today that gives 250, you could probably get it to there in 10 years, right? right. And so so then you're going to say, well, today, then I'm going to buy a business with a, with a cash flow of 250. 
And in order for me to take that much vacation, it has to be a business that I don't need to be at all the time, you know, and, and you can create this, these criteria as you start looking at businesses that you find on the, on the broker website, and you start to meet some of these business owners and talk about their businesses, what you're going to be able to do through that process is further refine the list of attributes. But it's, it's, it's very much about your imagination. Like, okay, here's an example of a business. If I were to buy this business, would I be able to do all the things I've listed out? Yes or no. And then, and then you're going to further refine your list and you may further refine that, that vision of what you want life to look like. Gotcha. So it's, it's an iterative process. Gotcha. Yeah, we're on the right path here. Keep going. This is, this is where, this is the money part right here, what you're talking about. Keep going. So you, so you, you iterate every time you go and do one of these explorations and then you're going to, you're either going to find a business type that meets all those criteria or your list of criteria is going to be exhaustive enough that you could then go and do something like the yellow page exercise and just ask yourself, you know, does this business meet these criteria? Does this business meet these criteria? And you could then find potentially some industries that are may not have any units up for sale right now, but you could then decide to do your own proprietary search looking for those business types. Now that seems more appealing where I could start making money right away. And, and on the money part, I have enough liquid cash, disposable liquid cash. And, and in the US, 850 is a perfect credit score. I've got based, in essence an 840 credit score. Awesome. And hundreds of thousands of dollars of liquid cash, not even including retirement accounts and everything. So if, let's say they wanted a 20, 20% down. I have enough to put 20% down on a million dollar business. But if a million dollar business, in your opinion, how much should that be cash flowing to the owner after expenses? So, see, I don't want to buy a million dollar business and it's now it's cash flowing 40, 40 grand. You know, well, if, if, if most businesses are selling for like two and a half to three times cash flow, in, in, you know, then what that would mean is that that business would have, uh, you know, 250 to $333,000 cash flow. There we go. So see, that's very appealing. And again, the business would be irrelevant as long as it's there's no scam involved to the owner selling for a, a reason or I would lose the primary customers if that person left. I'm able to do that. I'm able to buy a million dollar business today. But the, the cash flow personally would have to be high enough. And here in the U.S., as you probably are aware of, as my stepfather uh, does is he earns an incredible amount of money, but he he uh, puts it in his own pension. He has people that work for him on the finance end, and he literally makes on paper thirty thousand dollars a year in the U.S. He's almost he's almost broke on paper. Yeah, with the laws here, you hire the smart people, and that I could turn that two fifty and be putting that into a pension and investing it buying real estate, flipping it on 1031s where there's no capital gains taxes. This is all very exciting stuff to me to get into this and hire smart people to do this. Well, for that stuff, you need a smart CPA. There we go. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> I, it's, um, you know, what you find if you get with a, with a very skilled CPA or like, especially one who, who, specializes in tax preparation and tax planning um, for people that are business owners is, is you start to get opened up to new and different strategies uh, aside from the traditional, put your money in a 401k kind of thing. Right. right. The people who are employed, who have a job, you know, those government sponsored tax deferred investment, you know, retirement plans, it's really all those people can do. But every dollar you put in that saves you some taxes eventually ends up becoming your income again. So, so then you face tax on it anyway after it's grown over all those years. Right. It, the U.S. system is it's terrible. And I've, I've been maxing out everything 100% and I still am saving 70% of my take-home income. And I'm going to I've, – I've, I've got to do something with this. I can't just keep just saving and investing it. I want to – I want to get out of being a W-2 employee and have freedom over my life. And David, again, it's not about work hours. If I'm working my own business and the harder that I work, the more I make, I, I'll do like I do now. I woke up at 2.45 a.m. this morning 
and uh, had something on my mind. And guess what? I started going to work, even though I'm I'm technically unemployed. I started getting organized, getting everything ready, watching a podcast, watched you. I'll get two hours sleep a night if I'm running my own business to make more. That sounds thrilling to me, as opposed to a wage slave W-2, which is the reason I quit my last job from burnout. Well, I, I got up at 5.30 this morning and, and thought about taking my morning walk. But when I realized it was uh, minus 12 Celsius oh. with a minus 20 wind chill warning, I thought uh, I decided just to make coffee and have some oatmeal instead. You need to buy a motorcycle suit that's covered head to toe or a Carhartt suit. That, that's uh, Yeah, that's called a skidoo suit around here. There you go. You've got, I know you got one there. You can wear it. <laughs> All right, Jay, this is awesome. I'm so glad that you, you decided to do a follow-up check-in after a few years. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you gave me some ideas. Just like last time, I was hoping you're going to strike lightning and say, you need to get in this business and this and this, and it's unrealistic. And I love it when you smack me with the truth and just don't kiss me with a lie. <laughs> well, I, you see, because the answer to the question is is unique for every person, right? And and at the end of the day, it's 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 what are your interests and skills. And you know, I really believe that if you have experience in an industry, you're going to be able to you're going to be able to apply that experience in a better way than someone who has who buys a business that has to learn everything from scratch. Right. Right. I, I, I've just seen it too many times. Um, and sometimes I end up asking people, you know, if this is such a great deal, how come no one else in this industry has already bought it? And that, that's often a sobering question for a buyer. Right. And I know, you know, there's, there's a particular industry right now that has very high multiples because it's very hot and people want to buy these businesses. And I have a client who's already in that industry uh, who tells me that all those people are crazy. Like mm. they have no idea what they're getting into. And other, otherwise people in the industry would be, you know, gobbling up those opportunities, but they're not. Right. Right. So, so that's, yeah, you, the advantages in business come from taking advantage of what you know and, and, and what your expertise and experience is. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Enjoy the warm weather. Okay. I appreciate it. I will. It was 67. It's a little chilly and it's going to get up to 80 today. So now we're, we're rocking and rolling finally. <laughs> All right. Happy holidays, man. All right. Thank you.